Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy. So I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to the Rolling Review. What is up everybody, Gibbs here with number 452 on the Rolling Stones' greatest 500 albums of all time. It's Diana Ross and the Supremes with Anthology. Now, this is another Greatest Hits album. And to be honest, there's way more Greatest Hits albums on this list than I thought there would be. I thought maybe they'd plug in a few, but it seems like every five or so albums we're running into another Greatest Hits album. And I can't keep going on a rant about it. Because you guys already know my feelings on the Greatest Hits albums and where I feel that they belong on this list, and that's not even on this list. So instead of going on a rant, I'm going to try something different, because you probably don't like listening to me go on and on on a rant, and personally, it's not good for my blood pressure to keep getting upset by the fact that Rolling Stones kind of cops out and puts a lot of Greatest Hits albums on here. So, instead of the rant this time, I'm going to start giving a little background on these groups that they choose to just do a Greatest Hits album on. Mainly for the fact that these are really talented groups, and I do believe that they deserve to have some recognition. So, we're kind of going to go through the history of some of these groups and what they accomplished during their music career. So, the Supremes were an American female singing group for Motown Records during the 1960s, which Motown Records at the time was putting out acts like Smokey Robinson and The Temptations, so really big music coming through them, mainly African American acts coming through Motown at that time. So, the Supremes were founded in Detroit, Michigan in 1959, and they were actually started out as the Primates, which they went on their career as different versions of the Supremes as members would come and go. They were the Primates from 1959 to 1961, and then they went with the Supremes. Then eventually, as Diana Ross got more popular and Barry Gordy, who was the head of Motown Records, was feeling more like he was going to split Diana Ross off and do a solo career with her, they went to Diana Ross and the Supremes, which at the time you had a lot of different groups starting to have a lead singer and then they would have the lead singer in the name. Smokey Robinson was another one of these. I believe it was Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. And it would become uh, David Ruffin from The Temptations. Wanted it to be David Ruffin and The Temptations. But Motown Records went against that and kept them as a group instead of singling out someone. But anyway... Diana Ross and the Supremes would be their name through 1967 through the 1970s era. And then 
after Diana Ross left, they would even go through a little bit of a time where they were being called the New Supremes, just because they were a different version of themselves, but ultimately they would go back to being called just the Supremes. Their genre of music was R&B, soul, pop, doo-wop, and disco. They performed on Motown Records, but when they were the Primettes, they were signed by Lou Pine. Members, as I said, changed throughout time and included Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, Florence Ballard, Betty McLown, Barbara Martin, Cindy Birdsong, Jean Terrell, Linda Lawrence, Sherry Payne, and Susie Green. So lots of lineup changes, mainly during the later years was when the lineup changes happened, as there was disagreements about Diana Ross being more of the front of the whole group, and after she left, there were different people coming in and out of the group. So we'll go through the lineups here. The Primettes, which were founded in 1959 through 1960, consisted of Florence Ballard, Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, and Betty McClown. They then became the Primates slash Supremes, 1960 to 1962, which featured Florence Ballard, Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, and Barbara Martin. So, I was a little interested to see that the Supremes started out as a quartet, as I'd always thought of them more of a trio during the versions that I knew. So, that was probably more the 1962, 1967, and on, where they only had three members, which were Florence Ballard, Diana Ross, and Mary Wilson. Then, in 1967, they became Diana Ross and the Supremes, and 1967 through 1970 brought the trio of Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, and Cindy Birdsong. The Supremes in 1970 would see Diana Ross leaving and going on to have a solo career, so 1970 through 1972 was Mary Wilson, Cindy Birdsong, and Jean Terrell. Then 1972 to 1973 was Mary Wilson, Jean Trill, and Linda Lawrence. So you saw Cindy Birdsong leave. 1973 to 1976, Cindy Birdsong comes back with Mary Wilson and Sherry Payne. 1976 through 1977, Cindy leaves again. Very inconsistent with Cindy. Mary Wilson is there, Sherry Payne, and Susie Green. So Mary Wilson was really the only member that had been there the entire time. You think the Supremes and you think Diana Ross, of course, but Mary Wilson was the only member that stayed a member during the entire length of the group's time. And after Diana Ross left, she would be more of the front leader of the group. So it was said that in the earlier days, the Supremes were fairly popular due to their ability to attract the 
white crowd. And I'm not trying to be insensitive or racial with anything I'm saying. I'm just, this is the time that this was going on, was a lot of divide in America between white citizens and black citizens. So, during this time, they were able to gain more popularity with the white crowd, despite them being black, because they had a more, they said, clean-sounding approach to things. They didn't put a lot of soul into it. They stayed more proper with their music. And this worked for them for a majority of their time until you got to the late 60s where the civil rights movement was really amping up and you had artists like Aretha Franklin coming out who owned her heritage and didn't really try to impress a certain crowd and just was who she was and she sang with that soul and then you had members from the Black Panther Party really coming out against acts like the Supremes who had more toned themselves down claiming that quote they weren't black enough and their ability to attract the white audience was used by Motown when they would put together certain tours as the Supremes would tour a lot with the Temptations where the Temptations more drew in the black crowd and the Supremes would draw in the white crowd, so they were able to reach everyone when they toured together and expose the opposite race to a new sound, possibly. The Supremes were able to inspire many other works past their time of just creating music. Of course, you had their very successful career there to base a lot of things on, but behind the scenes, you had the drama between Diana Ross and the other members as she was gaining more attention and popularity from the rest of the group. Their story led to the inspiration of a 1976 film, Sparkle, which features the story of a singing trio that called themselves Sister and the Sisters, and they're from Harlem, New York, and this was based off of the Supremes and their career. The film's soundtrack was actually done by Aretha Franklin at the time and was a huge commercial success, which is funny that she would do a soundtrack that was based loosely on the Supremes' career when it was kind of her that led to the Supremes being somewhat obsolete there was eventually a remake of Sparkle that was released in August of 2012 that starred Jordan Sparks and Whitney Houston. And that would end up being Whitney Houston's final film role before she tragically passed away. There is also a Tony Award winning musical that opened on December 21st of 1981. And that is loosely based on the story of the Supremes. And it was called Dream Girls. Dream Girls, I say loosely based because again the music was different. It took a broader mix of R&B and soul and the Broadway music. 
but it was loosely based on the story of Florence Ballard, which was one of the, you could call her a backup singer, because Diana Ross was obviously the lead. So Florence Ballard was the kind of point of view that this story is based around. And Mary Wilson, who was the only original member through all the years, loved the musical. But Diana Ross was reportedly angered by it and refused to see it. The Supremes legacy just didn't stop with these movies and musicals that were based on their careers, but they were twice nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Rhythm and Blues Recording for Baby Love in 1965 and Best Contemporary Rock and Roll Group Vocal Performance Stop in the Name of Love 1966. Unfortunately, though, they never won any of those awards. Though, three of their songs were added to the Grammy Hall of Fame, those were Where Did Our Love Go, You Keep Me Hanging On, and Stop in the Name of Love. Stop in the Name of Love and You Can't Hurry Love are among some songs that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame released as the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll, which is an interesting list that I will definitely have to check out. The... Ross Wilson Ballard lineup of the Supremes were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1988 and would also receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1994. They also entered into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame, which I didn't know existed until that I saw this. They were inducted into that in 1998, and if you are interested, that Hall of Fame is located in Sharon, Pennsylvania. The Supremes also landed on another Rolling Stone list. They were placed at number 97 on the list of 100 Greatest Artists of All Times. And to go along with all those great accolades, they also were listed as influencers of groups that would later come, such as The Three Degrees, The Emotions, The Pointer Sisters, En Vogue, TLC... Destiny's Child, Cleopatra, and Madonna said that she was really eager about the Supremes and really into the girl groups. If you are interested in listening to the Supremes, there's tons of albums that you could possibly choose from. Throughout their career, they released 29 studio albums. So it's kind of hard to believe that one of those full albums couldn't have been placed on this list. But I promised I wasn't going to go in a rant, so I'm not. So that's the Supremes. A well-accomplished group. Deserves all the recognition that they can get. Unfortunately, though, for this list, because I'm disqualifying the Greatest Hits albums, this one will be moved back to 499. Next time we'll get back on track with a full album review. At 451 we have Roberta Flack, First Take. So I look forward to getting into that one. You can always reach me, email, therollingreview at yahoo.com. Go over to Facebook and like the fan page by searching at The Rolling Review. Click and like over there. You can see the updated list as we go through these. Stay up to date on anything you need to know about this podcast. I appreciate you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Gibbs, 
Stay safe and be kind.